Open our beaches and parks. We will be modifying our public health order to open up access to the beach. Um, and a forbearance really is a period of time where a borrower is not obligated to make payment on the loan. Some relief for student loan borrowers is coming in the form of a 90-day loan forbearance. We'll take a deeper look at that ahead. This is the 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast, where we examine how this virus is affecting our lives. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. I'm Matt Boone, filling in for Ben Higgins. It's Friday, April 24th. Open our beaches and parks. A small group of protesters gathered outside the county building this afternoon, demanding the government reopen small businesses, as well as parks and beaches. The latter will soon be a reality, at least partially. County leaders announced recreational access to the ocean and bay will be allowed starting Monday morning. That means activities like swimming, surfing, kayaking, and paddleboarding will be allowed again. Because of this change, the coastal cities are also enacting phase one of their reopening plan of the beaches. That includes access for walking and running, but it still prohibits group activities, sunbathing, and beach volleyball. Recreational boating is also still prohibited. Beach parking lots will remain closed for now as well. For the second day in a row, the county has seen a spike in new COVID-19 cases. Today, the county announced 183 new cases, the highest single-day total since the outbreak began, though it does correspond with an increase in testing as well. The county saw two more deaths, bringing our local total to 102. Statewide, there have been 1,537 deaths linked to the coronavirus. Testing is now complete aboard the USS Theodore Roosevelt, Out of the 4,098 crew members, 840 have tested positive. One of them has died. And today we're hearing that the Navy now wants the former captain of the San Diego-based aircraft carrier to be reinstated. Brett Crozier was removed from command after a letter he wrote about the outbreak on his ship was leaked to the press. To talk more about this, we're joined by 10 News reporter Jeff Lasky. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, Matt. Great to be with you. So just dive right into it. Where are we today in this weeks-long saga? Um, What happened earlier? Well, we've been waiting for this now for quite some time. Today, we're getting the first indication of exactly what the investigation into Captain Brett Crozier found. Of course, the saga has kind of captured the attention of the nation, a growing outbreak of coronavirus on the San Diego-based aircraft carrier and he essentially got fired removed from command of the ship uh after almost begging for action to try to help his sailors so it got a a lot of attention uh nationwide today uh now multiple uh news outlets uh, including the, the new york times and usa today are reporting that the navy has officially recommended that crozier be reinstated that's uh, that's pretty unusual for a captain to be removed from command and then recommended to be reinstated but that does not necessarily mean he will be back uh, on the ship anytime soon and that's because now the secretary of defense mark esper has said that he wants to review this decision and has not made a decision yet either way so what we've we've now learned this afternoon is the navy is recommending that captain crozier be reinstated but it's going to have to go through Secretary Esper before we see a final decision made. 
And I, I imagine the reality is this goes all the way up to the to the top. President Trump, I'm sure, may have his opinion at some point voiced because really, it, take us back a couple of weeks, a lot of this goes to kind of the political nature of the, the original concerns that Captain Crozier had about the outbreak of coronavirus on the ship and how that was spread for the listeners who've kind of already maybe forgotten the, the origin of this. Give us a little bit of background on how this all began. Yeah, I had a conversation uh, today with with my old friend Bob Lawrence, who for decades was the 10 News military uh, reporter and uh, and has been tracking this uh, very closely. And he said, look, if this was strictly a military decision, this wouldn't be the story it is now. He would simply be reinstated. But politics, as uh, as so often happens, uh, kind of rear their their ugly head uh, into this. And what's been widely reported is that the decision to remove Captain Crozier in the first place was made by the former uh, secretary uh, of the Navy, Thomas Mobley. And the reporting is that he did that because he felt like it's what President Trump wanted him to do. Uh, The fact that it was getting out that there was a a growing and uh, deadly outbreak on the USS Theodore Roosevelt, obviously something that President Trump wasn't happy to have uh, leaked out uh, into the press. And so Modley ended up removing Crozier from command. And then Modley actually went to Guam, went onto the ship, went onto the loudspeaker and berated Captain Crozier to the entire crew, calling him at one point stupid and naive, I believe is what the, the quote was. Modley himself ended up having to resign because of the backlash from that. So there's now actually a new acting Navy secretary who was part of this recommendation uh, today to bring Captain Crozier back. So uh, a lot of politics are involved and part of that as well is that no one really knows where President Trump stands on this. He was originally critical of Captain Crozier for uh, for that letter that ended up leaking to the public. However, after all of these uh, viral videos uh, went out showing the crew uh, on the ship cheering for Crozier as he left, President Trump seems to soften that public stance somewhat. So, uh, you know, it may be that Secretary Esper just wants to review this uh, material himself to make the decision. It's also possible that he is waiting to get some kind of indication from President Trump, who is, uh, after all, in fact, the commander-in-chief, to indicate in some way, publicly or privately, which way he wants this decision to go. All right. Well, thank you for your insight, Jeff. I appreciate it. Glad to be with you as always, Matt. Some relief is coming to student loan borrowers who have been impacted by the pandemic. Governor Gavin Newsom announced that most of the student loan servicers in the state will be offering a 90-day forbearance. He says there's about 1.1 million people in the state with privately held student loan debt. 10 News is committed to helping you navigate the financial turmoil created by the coronavirus as part of our new initiative, The Rebound. For some insight into how the forbearance works, I'm joined by someone who knows a lot about this, Scott Buchanan with the Student Loan Servicing Alliance. Welcome, Scott. Well, thank you much. Glad to be here. First, can you explain just what your organization does on a day-to-day basis? Sure, yes. Um, so the Student Loan Servicing Alliance is a trade association um, that, uh, that represents uh, most of the student loan servicing companies uh, across the United States. That includes both those who service federal student loans, as well as those who service private student loans, and it's basically all of the organizations, including the state agencies, nonprofits, 
and uh, companies that do that work. So uh, with the uh, the announcement that the governor of California, as well as my understanding is several other governors are going to be working with loan service providers on allowing forbearances for uh, people paying those back. Can you kind of describe what a forbearance is and what these plans would allow the um, the payers to do? Sure, yeah. So um, you know, since the beginning of this crisis, we've been across the country providing um, flexibility in terms of uh, providing a forbearance option for borrowers who've been impacted um, financially by what's uh, going on with the coronavirus situation. Um, and a forbearance really is a period of time where a borrower is not obligated to make payment on the loan. You know, normally they have a regular monthly payment. And during a period of forbearance, um, basically we work with that borrower and say, you know, for 60 days, 90 days, however long, um, that we're going to suspend your obligation. And so that means your loan will be current. Um, that means that you won't get negative credit bureau reporting during that period of time. And then after, uh, after the forbearance ends, then you can resume normal repayment on the student loan. And what happens to the the payment amount? Are there different plans that can happen? Are are those three months spread out through the rest of the term, or are they added to the end? How does that part of it work? Yeah, so normally what happens is that's a period of suspension of payments. So basically you'll resume repaying the loan um, with the same term because during that period of time the loan is not actively in repayment. Um, so then you would, you would normally resume with your... Um, um, your normal payment amount, and and depending upon how much interest is accrued, that may be spread um, over the remaining period of time um, uh, to repay that loan. So it's not like they'll just have to suddenly pay back three months all at once. No, it's it, in the in the in the student loan marketplace, which is a little bit different from the mortgage marketplace, for example, where normally borrowers have to make some sort of lump sum payment in order to catch up or pay it over some brief period of time. Um, this is really a suspension of payment that that, um, that allows folks to basically resume, uh, you know, a monthly payment amount that's pretty close to what they had before, um, and and continue on with the repayment of that loan obligation. Gotcha. Okay. I think, and I think the the main difference is that in in on student loans, they oftentimes have a lot more flexibility just because of the nature of the borrower. You know, for example, if someone borrows um, a student loan while they're in school, most private lenders uh, will provide them the ability to not have to make payment while they're in school because obviously they're not working normally during that period of time, or they can make interest-only payments or make sort of a small payment to pay down a little bit of principal. So student loans oftentimes have had a lot more flexibility than a mortgage product or something else where really the expectation is you need to sort of consistently be paying um, the, the monthly amount due. And uh, and so we've always had a lot more flexibility. And so this really reflects that. Okay. Is there anything else being done right now by some of the um, student loan lenders um, in addition to forbearances or any other flexibility that's being offered? Sure. I think a, a lot of lenders um, are offering different things. You know, every lender is different. So if you're a borrower, you really need to call your lender and your servicer to ask specifically what options are available to you. Um, because it will vary based upon what kind of loan you have. Some private education loans are fixed-rate loans. Some are variable rate. Um, some have certain other provisions that are, you know, have a, a skip a payment um, sort of uh, option that is built in. So you really need to call. But I, if you look at sort of generally what a lot of people are offering today, they're offering to waive late fees for folks who've been impacted by this. So, for example, 
your payment was due, um, you know, on the 1st of April, but you've been dealing with a financial situation. Normally you might get charged late fee because that payment was missed. Um, most, uh, most lenders are waiving that late fee today. And obviously, as I mentioned before, from a credit bureau reporting perspective, if you call us and ask us for that forbearance and we put you into that, then you're going to be uh, reported as uh, as current on your on your loan, so you won't have any negative credit consequences for suspending that payment today. And I think we're also doing a lot of outreach to bars, letting them know whether it's on our websites or in statements or when they log into their accounts to make sure that they know if they are having uh, financial impact today, that they should reach out to us and we're going to work with them on making sure we can uh, get them to a solution that's going to meet their needs today. So just going more into that, for borrowers, the the best way, the quickest way to actually get that forbearance or any help is by directly reaching out to the loan servicer? Absolutely. They should either go to their website or you can call us um, on the normal servicing number. And all you need to do is say, listen, here's what's happened to me. Here's what my financial situation is. And we're going to talk you through, you know, maybe the forbearance is the right option for you. And if so, we can on the phone, put you into that program. We'll tell you sort of what that looks like, what that means, all the specifics about it. Um, and that, that's the best way to figure out exactly what your options are is just pick up the phone and call us or reach out through our website. I'm not sure if you know this yet because we're living in kind of a day-to-day situation right now, but I imagine there's a lot of recent graduates who, whether or not they, they had a job, getting a job in the next three months, especially one at the salary point that they had hoped, that might be difficult. So what happens three months from now if um, borrowers still aren't able to financially yep. pay back their loans? Absolutely. I mean, this, this is a is a situation that is evolving. And like I said, and we started offering these benefits, you know, back in mid-March, uh, these additional benefits beyond what was normally offered. And I think we're going to continue to monitor sort of how this plays out and what the long-term effects are and look to see if there are additional flexibilities that we need to come back and offer, um, you know, two or three months from now for people that are being continued to be impacted by that as they enter in a job marketplace. And our goal is to find a way to work with our bars, you know, because at the end, we're, we're trying to accomplish the same thing to find a way to, to help them pay back their loan, but also recognize that they may be in certain situations where that's not a possibility right now. And, and what are the solutions we can offer them to make sure that we, we put them on a path to be successful here? As for the industry itself, what kind of help have, um, have they been getting to help get through this period of time when you know they're not getting as many payments as they had thought they'd be getting at this point. You know, listen, our 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 industry is going to be impacted just like every other industry. I mean, we're having the same challenges with you know worrying about our employees, the people who answer those phones. How do we keep them safe? Um, how do we get people to be able to work remotely? And we've really done a lot of work to transition almost all of our operations so people can work safely remotely. Um, and, and no doubt there is going to be some impact here that, uh, that we're going to feel just like everyone else. But um, I, that's, that's not an issue that isn't affecting any other business, um, whether it's a financial institution, um, a lender, or a, um, a restaurant or anyone else. Um, so, you know, we're going we're to face those same challenges ourselves. Um, but I think we're confident uh, and we're, we're optimistic, I think, like hopefully everyone else is, that we can come out of this soon. And, uh, um, and, uh, and a lot of the work that the government's done to help individual um, people in terms of uh, um, with, uh, with extra sort of support from an unemployment perspective 
and also from a stimulus um, perspective that hopefully that will work and that uh, make the economy sort of recover as quickly as is possible. Well, it's good that you've got some optimism. <laughs> uh, any other uh, resources or information that you wanted to get out there for um, for the borrowers who are in a sticky situation right now? Yeah, so I think, um, again, that's where we've been real excited about working with the states on sharing what we've already been doing for borrowers, because I think that's the number one thing is getting the word out to people. And I think this kind of uh, you know, discussion with you and sharing with your viewers and listeners, um, letting them know that we do have options. So if you are having a problem, get on the phone with your servicer. We can help you, um, and we're going to work with you on this situation rather than thinking, gosh, how am I going to figure all this out and how am I going to make my payments? Give us a call. So that's, I think, something that, that we've been really focused on is trying to get the word out um, and making sure people know that there, there are answers, there are solutions, and give us a call, and we're going to work with you on them. Good to know. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Scott. I really appreciate it. No, thank you very much for having me. And now I'd like to bring in Vonda Garcia, the Director of the Financial Aid and Scholarships Office at UC San Diego. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Matt. Thank you for having me. First, I just wanted to get your reaction to the governor's announcement yesterday about the student loan forbearances. How do you think that will help students and, and recent grads you know, pay through all of this? Um, I think this is a wonderful thing. Uh, so many families right now are struggling. Uh, those who are out of work or um, have added expenses due to um, the corona uh, virus crisis we're experiencing. So uh, I'm really happy to see uh, the governor um, pay attention to this as well. Particularly for UCSD, what resources and guidance are you offering um, students and recent grads right now? Uh, in regards to the loans? Uh, in, in regards to, to loans, in regards to um, payments for this semester and, and looking forward to next year for students who may be in uncertain financial situations right now but are, are you know hoping to come back to campus, um, sure. what are just some of the, the things that you're dealing with right now to make sure that people can get through this seamlessly? Um, so we've definitely posted all this upcoming information on our website. Um, there was first information from the CARES Act um, that gave relief to federal loans. Um, the UC system has taken action for campus-based loans. So there's so many different types of loans. Um, and uh, now with Governor Newsom's additional information about private loans, pretty much all loans are covered to where um, students can get their, uh, students and parents who have parent loans can get uh, forbearance so that they don't have to be making payment. And the great thing is, is that um, even though they're not making payment, the interest is also uh, waived during this time as well. Um, so we're communicating this to our students, but more importantly, um, we're available for our students. We have basic needs funds that we're offering out to our students that we generally have during a, the year, but we've um, amped up those funds um, that help students with housing costs and food costs when they're struggling uh, to provide that. Our campus is receiving um, $17.4 million from the CARES Act straight from the federal government. So we are working a plan. We haven't received the money yet, but we are working a plan to get that money in the hands of students to help with any expenses um, that, that they're having difficulties with due to the coronavirus. Obviously, right now, because of all the restrictions at pl in place, um, students who may have had 
jobs, whether they were, you know, at other companies or on campus jobs, trying to make some extra money to help pay for their tuition or room and board. Um, those aren't happening. So how are you dealing with, you know, students who had some source of revenue all of a sudden unavailable to them? Um, what kind of resources do they have? Or is it all kind of now going through the same channels? Um, pretty much the channels that I mentioned are basic needs. Emergency grant is probably the most popular um, where students, if they're having any difficulty for whatever reason and they can't come up with a means to pay for their housing or food, um, we're, we're able to award them. It's a maximum of $1,500 per quarter. Fortunately, we had just started our, um, we're on a quarter system, so we had just started our spring quarter. So financial aid students, which is about uh, 65, 70% of our student population, they just got their financial aid refund. So I'm hoping that's going to help them as well. Um, they can always come back uh, to do appeals with us if they need to add on extra expenses for considerations of a different of additional loan eligibility. Um, and then, like I mentioned, the CARES Act uh, federal funding is definitely going to help in this area as well. So it sounds like the pandemic, the state home order, the financial consequences of all this, it hasn't impacted the financial aid that had been available to your students, correct? It's only impacted us in a good way. <laughs> We've gotten a whole lot more money, so uh, it's made us much more busier. Everybody's working from home. All my staff is doing a great job, and they're working from home, and we're busier than usual um, because we have more money to award. So um, it's really nice to see our, our local and federal government step in and uh, provide these additional resources to students who are having difficulties. Yeah, always good to have more money, although clearly it's needed at this point because there's there's a lot of holes to fill, unfortunately. I can mention, too, for our student workers, uh -huh. um, so any that are employed on campus, we're trying really hard to find ways that they can still help from home. Um, so, for example, in our uh, admissions area, we're having students, we usually do a calling campaign to students who have been admitted for the upcoming fall. And so they're still able to um, be on the clock to, to call students and uh, tell them all the wonderful things about UC San Diego and see if they have any questions they'd like answered about attending during the fall. So we're doing everything we can, super sensitive to the, you know, knowing that students need to keep their employment for uh, whatever extra money that brings into their household or their, their pockets. Um, so we're trying to keep them in mind as, um, as we assign uh duties to, to staff and students as well. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad that they're able to contribute as much as they can from home. It definitely depends on the job. It's hard to definitely. do everything from home, but that's good to hear. Okay. Um, anything else that you wanted to add? Any other resources um, or information that you want to, to reiterate? Um, I would encourage um, any student who plans to continue to enroll up, up through the um, in the fall quarter or semester and going forward, be sure you do your FAFSA. Um, the application needs to be completed every year and it looks at income from two years back. You can back. buy the list of resources so, um, on 10 as part of our new initiative the 2021 academic year, which is coming up this August, uh, September to pay on if you're a semester or quarter we'll school. At the top They're of looking at income tax information from 2018. So obviously now that weekend, if families or students have lost their jobs due to corona, they're going to want to do appeals with their schools. So 
the FAFSA application, they go ahead and fill it out and include all the appropriate information, but then they want to follow up with the school. So UC San Diego students will come to the, well, not come physically to the office, um, but we have on our website appeals that they can complete to show that they've had a drop in income. And then we can take that into consideration for the um, the next academic year. We're also hoping uh, we have folks in uh, DC that advocate for us. And we're also hoping um, to possibly get some more uh, stimulus funds that'll help us during the, the next academic year as well. All right. Well, good luck with that. And thank you so much for joining us uh, with all this You're very welcome. helpful information. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for the 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Matt Boone, in for Ben Higgins. We've compiled a list of resources on 10news.com as part of our new initiative called The Rebound, with ways to help San Diegans find a job, make ends meet, and manage the pressure. You'll find a link at the top of our homepage or by going to 10news.com slash rebound. Have a good weekend, everyone. Mm-hmm.